Thank you for tuning in. And we have a good one today. Our guest is Leo McLeod, a successful and seasoned author, speaker, trainer, and executive coach in the AEC space. And we'll be talking about current and next-gen leadership success. Leo is thoughtful, has a great perspective, and offers real insight into people, business, and our profession, and is someone who genuinely cares. And it's certainly been a pleasure to get to know him over this past year. In this episode, we talk about changes due to COVID, the loss of energy as a result of both COVID and change, the new and different generational playbooks related to work and life, the challenges with finding and retaining good talent, and the critical roles of culture, time, straight talk, sharing the why part, and being open. So listen in and learn more about the new realities and fundamental shifts for current and next generation leadership, and begin to recharge through the use of new approaches and mindsets necessary for new era success. And so without any further delay, let's do it. Welcome to AEC Leadership Today, the podcast designed exclusively for engineering, architecture, and construction industry leaders who want to stay relevant and effective. The show takes on the most pressing issues facing the AEC industry and was created to help you and your firm grow and prosper in the 21st century. The host of AEC Leadership Today is Pete Atherton, a professional engineer and former AEC principal and owner turned AEC coach and consultant. And now, take a break from your never-ending to-do list and welcome Peter Atherton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of AEC Leadership Today. Today, we'll be speaking with Leo McLeod, a successful and seasoned author, speaker, trainer, and executive coach in the AEC space. And we'll be talking about next generation leadership, engagement, and development. Welcome to the podcast, Leo. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to uh, have a dialogue with you about a perennial issue, right? Of bringing in the next generation of, of leaders. Well, great. I'm excited that you're here. Excited to see you again and speak with you. Um, as we begin, why don't we begin with just getting to know you a little bit more? Can you share a little bit about you, your career, and what type of work you've done and involved with today in the AEC space? Yeah. Um, yeah. I Let me start out this way because I always, I always like to sometimes throw this little factoid in that I hitchhiked across uh, the country uh, in 1977 when I was 20 and um, landed from New York. I went to um, Portland, Oregon. So that's where I settled. And I used to be a house painter for many years, which is kind of interesting that I, I kind of had my roots in the trade. <laughs> um, and then I I went into a whole bunch of different kinds of jobs. I went into fundraising and went back to school, got my degree in English, got into communications, worked in an ad agency. Um, and, and then I just found myself in a position of not knowing what I wanted to do, <clears throat> not having a direction. And I kind of got into consulting in a very haphazard kind of way and found that I really liked it. Um, actually, I had a job working at a public library, kind of 
as kind of the entrepreneurial manager, which is this wacky title where I kind of created different businesses for the library to diversify the revenue. And so my job was to come up with things like putting a Starbucks in a public library and renting a space after hours and putting in a gift store and a lot of different kinds of things. Anyway, I remember I went out to lunch with the library director and she said to me, said, you know, I could see you really being a good consultant, <laughs> which was just like an offhanded way of saying I wasn't a very good employee. <laughs> like, I think that, <laughs> you know, now that now that I replay that conversation, I know what she was really trying to say, <laughs> to laying the foundation for I think you have a different path in life, but it's true. I I, uh, I like working. So I, so anyway, I ended up becoming a consultant, and I happened to work for one of the larger. My first sort of consulting gig was with a very large um, developer in town um, that did a lot of mixed use development built a lot of Portland and I was I was fortunate to do that but when I got connected into that industry I found that I really like working with architects and contractors and MEP and civil engineers and yeah so I just I kind of fell into it and initially what I did is I did a lot of marketing things I did websites PR branding those kinds of things and um, I was the president of the American Marketing Association and then I just I started pulling back from and saying you know what is my path here? Um, do I want to continue to do marketing or is there something else that engages me? And I found that <clears throat> I had an affinity, uh, a talent for engaging with people. So, and, and my clients saw that too. And the turning point was when I went into a billion dollar construction company and I met with the CEO and I had my deck my PowerPoint deck where I was talking about uh, publicity and PR and his eyes glazed over and he said, you know, actually, here's what I really need. I really need to know that I can retire someday and that there's going to be people here at this firm who know how to run this business. Can you help me do that? And somebody early on said, if someone presents an opportunity to you and asks you if you can do something, just say yes and then figure out how to do it. And so I said, sure, I can do that. Not really having a clue as to how I was going to do that. But I just dove straight into that challenge. And I think that has really steered a lot of my career. I, I always like to find opportunities to kind of help and and listen to what the need is and be creative about the solution. That That's, that's what I do now. Um, and it, it really kind of started from that initial conversation with that that CEO is is I coach leaders and they could be leaders who are 25 years old and they could be 65 years old. They could be people who are trying to figure out how to leave their business and there are people who want to learn how to be an owner maybe someday. Um, so I coach them one on one. I do small group coaching and then I also do um, more structured training so like workshops. And I do consulting. So I I do things like organizational planning and mission and vision kinds of things and um, and put all the pieces together. So, you know, it's everything from how to manage people to how to create relationships and sell work 
to how to give feedback, to have difficult conversations, to learn how to delegate. Um, uh, yeah, so th those are kind of the the big topics. And and I've been fortunate to really partner a lot with uh, American Council for Engineering Companies, the local chapter, Oregon chapter has been really good to me. We've had a really nice partnership. I helped build their leadership program. I deliver uh, half of the programs in there. So, um, and, and it's been great. And you and I met through ACEC Washington conference. And I've also um, spoken, delivered at uh, ACEC national. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my, that's my little journey. Not sure how long that took. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that, it, once that I is, get going, I get... <laughs> well, I just want to say that is fantastic, and I'm so glad you're here to talk about this subject. So I want to I mean, maybe we could start kind of big picture too, and we can dive in on some specifics. But there's been so much change, right? And there's been a lot of change that sort of is a long time coming, and then COVID sort of accelerated a bunch of things forward. How do you? think about change and how has, as a level set right now, we're talking about current next generation leadership, mm -hmm. engagement, development, where are we right now in terms of work and life? How is it different today than it, it has been in the past? Well, I think that COVID sent a shockwave through not just this industry, but everything through the world, through people they got the memo that life is short <laughs> and that there's other things that are more important than work and career, like your health and taking care of your kids and spending quality time. And, you know, when they, when they see people get sick, they see people die, it becomes like, well, what am I doing with my life? And, and I'm not, now I'm not talking about any particular generation. I'm just talking about everybody. You know, I think it just, it, it, it shifted the priority to, um, you know, he had Maslow's hierarchy of needs where the basic one is food, water, air, and then it gets into shelter and then it gets into a, finally a sense of purpose. And then at the very tip of it, when you're all evolved, it's about altruism and, you know, I can be a better person. I think we're like way back at the bottom <laughs> in some ways. Uh, well, we have been. And I think that we're, um, um, yeah, I think it was a leveling. When you say, how is it leveled? It's 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 become a little bit more like uh, people have realized that uh, um, a, a few things have happened. One is that, look, life is short. Um, and I need to live it now, um, whatever age I'm at. And, uh, you know, I need to just, there's no guarantees in life is what I'm trying to say. It could be gone tomorrow. I mean, we've all had situations where it's like, um, you know, that they remind us of that. And I think COVID kind of just hit us in the face. That's one change that's, that's kind of level thing. The other thing that's really kind of... Um, smacked us around a little bit is 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 this the amount of energy it took to manage all that trauma and that change and um it's interesting that i don't know who said it somebody i think it was an executive at microsoft and hr executive said there's really like a human energy crisis people are just depleted right their batteries are low for 
managing additional stuff. It's just enough for them to get through the day. Now, if you put those things together in terms of, hey, life is short and and I don't really have a lot of energy or uh, in the tank for doing anything additional other than getting through the day. And then you put that on top of the fact that in this industry, AEC industry, it's like, when is it going to slow down? It's like everyone I talk to is like super busy, you know, a lot of my plate. So there's this tremendous pressure um, on the demand side to um, have more energy, to meet the challenge, to to um, uh, to do the work, to put in the hours, and yet the supply side of it is that people are they're tired. I think they're depleted. Their batteries are low, and um, and so that's a challenge. No matter what generation it is now, um, you know when we talk about a younger generation, they kind of came up with some different priorities. You know they're kind of looking at things differently. Like they they play by a different playbook in terms of what's important to them, and I think that it used to be the old model was you went to school, you got out. You look for a job. Oh my God, thank God you got a job. I got to hold on to this job. I got to do whatever it's required. I got to say yes. Um, man, am I so fortunate to have this job that that was kind of the whole thing. I got to stay in this job. I'm going to build my career now because of all the other stuff I talked about on top of a newer generation that has different priorities about life. The What I would call Millennials, Gen Zs are a little bit more oriented towards saying, I, uh, I want to know what works for me personally. So it's self is number one. Two, I want to make a difference in the world, in society. I want to I make some kind of contribution. I want to change uh, racial inequity. I want to change social inequity. It, 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 you know, it's it just... Uh, I want to make a difference here. Third is my allegiance to any kind of company. That's what I see. I just see that the things have been flipped and it's the way it is. I mean, look, you know, every generation goes through its own kind of zeitgeist, its own change. And the other, the older generation, and I call myself the older generation, the boomers are kind of like head scratching, like what's going on? These young people, they don't understand what's required. And, and and then and it's just kind of an evolution of how things go. Every generation has got the older generation doesn't understand the younger generation, and the younger generation somehow manages to figure out. Um, I probably over answered what you, the original question was, but once I got on a roll, <laughs> well, I mean, it, well, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there because I right, mean, I think right. that you're hitting on a, a few things that I'd love to to talk a little bit more about. One was kind of maybe we'll just like the mindset, like how do we as more seasoned or senior leaders sort of adjust our mindset to what you just said? Like it, it's in some ways, maybe we forgot what it was like to be 25, 30, yeah, right, 35 exactly. years old. Mm -hmm, and right. and, and mm -hmm. listen, we evolved too and right. we, were, we were okay. So maybe it's like a mindset shift uh -huh. kind of number one. And then I'd love to, you know, sort of get into the energy how do we, and let me think of current and, and senior leaders right now, how do we re-energize? 
so yeah, that yeah, we can yeah. sort of take advantage of the opportunities before us and really see things. But I guess the first piece is mindset. How do mm -hmm. we, what are some mindset shifts we maybe have to make so that we're okay mm -hmm. with this change? Mm -hmm. And maybe how do we get more energy as leaders? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that there's, there is a, there's a reality out there that, well, every firm that I talk to is grappling with, and that is that there's just not enough people to fill the vacancies to do the work. So there is a very real shortage of talent. Now, I just said talent. I didn't say good talent. It's even harder to get good people. <laughs> it's even harder to get people who uh, are motivated or engaged, uh, want to do the work, or are seasoned or can do the work and aren't just fresh out of school. So that pool is even um, shallower. Um, and everything, I'd be interested in your view, viewpoint in this, but everybody I'm talking to is saying, you know, there's fewer people going into the industry, right? There's fewer people graduating, you know, at a time where, um, you know, the demand continues to be strong. So uh, my answer to your question is, how do we change this mindset? Number one, you just need to look at the reality. This is not a warm and fuzzy kind of thing. This is just where are the people going to come from? What do you need to do to engage people and to keep them? Because the, and I do believe this, I, I believe uh, I don't know, for the foreseeable future, I don't think it's going to change, but I think that the game is going to be about talent. It's going to be about who can create the kind of culture and the right kind of environment to keep people engaged, to, to, to have the, to bring in the people to keep them. Because it's about people. I mean, look, I mean, companies are just built on people. They're not built on, they're not factories. So they're, they're about, they're about people. So how do we engage people? And what I say is the mind shift needs to be on a little bit more about not like they should be lucky they have a job, but how do we set up the right kind of conditions um, to value them as employees? I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about making it easy for people. I'm not saying do their jobs for them, placate them all that stuff. I'm just talking about taking an interest in people. Let's start there. Let's, 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 let me, let me, let me say it. Let me kind of sketch it out differently. Let's say you've got a new employee that just starts your firm. Okay. How do you onboard that person? What's their first day look like? Now you're, you, you probably remember those situations when you started out. It's like, you were lucky if you got any kind of attention you had to figure out everything on your own. And the old mindset was like, hey, that worked for me. No one held my hand. I figured it out. And I know that. I mean, I that job at the library, it's like, what do you want me to do? I don't know. You figure it out. It's like, and I found I find that I found that really valuable. It's not really going to work these days. You need to spend time and invest in folks to show that you care right out of the gates. Uh, a little goes a long way. What's that mean? That means uh, getting to know them, getting to know their skills, getting to know their interests, getting to know where they want to go. Uh, what do they need support on? Uh, where are their gaps in their knowledge or their skills? 
um, and then staying and coaching them and really, you know, this, the new book I wrote on coaching and mentoring dummies, there's a big emphasis on career self-reliance. And here's the point. And I think it's really important. Okay. Just because you have this job doesn't mean that we're responsible for your career. You're responsible for your career. And I think if you want to change in a mindset, it's having a very intentional conversation with people that, that brings this home. It's like, look, if, if people are looking for, um, oh, was, um, Daniel Pink wrote a really good book some years ago called Drive. And it, it spelled out what motivates people. I think autonomy, it's really mastery, and purpose. Exactly, and, yep. exactly, exactly. So autonomy, uh, don't micromanage me. Like, okay, I'm not going to micromanage you. You just need to do the job. So let's be clear about, you and I have talked about this, what is it that needs to be done? This is an, like an exchange of services. I'll pay you so much, but here's the work that needs to be done. I don't want to babysit you. Um, I want to trust you, but here's what needs to happen here for you to trust me. That's, that's kind of the autonomy part, right? That's kind of an intentional conversation that just doesn't happen. You need to be intentional. Um, mastery. Mastery is I want to get good at one or two. I want to be like the expert in the room. Okay, that's fine. Let's send you to classes. Let's do professional development. Let's do lunch and learns. Let's do case studies. Let's have you come in and and be kind of a fly on the wall as we're presenting this stuff because you're you're interested in that. There's big desire. Last one is probably the most important in terms of what the point I want to make, and that's purpose. Remember how I said that people are motivated by themselves and the impact on their community and in the world and then the company you can play a role in that by understanding that the people want a sense of purpose individually how is this job promoting my own personal and professional goals number one number two how am i making an impact in the world and and that work is their work. It's not your job to come up with their vision, but you can be supportive of that. You can engage them. You can lay the framework and the foundation to say, this is a place where, well, hopefully um, you can get your own goals met. What are they? Where do you want to be? I, I call it your mountain. Three years from now, personally and professionally, where do you want to be? Where, what do you see yourself doing? Now, what can they do to support that? That's it. And you know, I'm telling you, that is the bulk of my coaching. The third part of my coaching is helping people spot any kind of progress and keeping them on that path. That's it. I mean, that's most of the recipe. Again, uh, let's set a vision for success where you want to be. And the younger generations, you're talking to them and saying, number one, I understand you're interested in yourself. Great. Let's Let's, let's talk about that. Number two, okay, you want to make an impact in community. Let's find out how that intertwines with yourself. And three, let's find out how you can make that happen here. Does that make sense? That that does. And so, and those might be the, the good people, right? They're motivated. So you, you provide that transaction, you articulate, you help them achieve what they want to achieve. And so there's right. a subset of the your talent pool that that's natural. There might be a subset that you maybe need to encourage that, and either way, you're probably doing some spending some time to talk about things that maybe we didn't need to talk about 10, 20, 30 years ago. 
and you mentioned the energy depletion. I mean, whether it be having these new conversations with maybe even your A players to sort of make sure that they're on the path or taking players that hey, they're not really sure and they have to be more coached and maintained. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that whatever that is to get them to that, you know, moving towards their mountain. What do you think in terms of, or how do you see leaders that might be depleted now? Yeah. How do they find the time and the energy to invest that? Even if yeah. tactically it's not rocket science, what they need to do. I mean, it's changed. So, okay, now we do time, energy, once they get the mindset shift, how, how do you see that playing out with, again, you mentioned busy, overloaded, consumed, I guess maybe some thoughts about re-energizing the current leader base. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, and I, I would say this not as a, what do we do about the the new generation? Um, I'm talking about what do we do to, um, oh, I'd say re-energize everybody, right? So that what I'm going to talk about is, I think, kind of universal. So, so, uh, yeah, I've got a couple, I got a few thoughts. Let me, let me kind of just illustrate, talk about one of them. So I think, well, I know that businesses are going to have to be more flexible about working with people in terms of their life situation. Um, uh, people are juggling childcare uh, responsibilities or health issues. Um, maybe they only have a limited capacity to to be available. Um, you know, structuring these work relationships so that people can do what they can do. Now, here's what I mean. I do not mean someone's getting paid 40 hours and they're only working 20. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, um, uh, look at kind of what I would call the contract, the employee contract. So uh, at a friend of mine, he is, um, you know, works for a very large uh, diversified engineering firm and super busy. And he had one of his you know, solid PMs, uh, a woman uh, come to him and said, look, my life situation is, has changed. I can't, I can't put in this amount of hours. I uh, see. And you know what he said? He said, um, how much time can you put in? Like how many hours can you devote? He says, well, I could probably do 15 hours a week. Now in an old model, you'd be like, okay, well, that's fine. This, this job requires 40. See you later. You know what he said? He says, give me your best 15 hours. So that's in response to kind of the new reality. And I was really, I'm really interested in seeing how that whole experiment goes because uh, her initially, she was very uh, appreciative that this company was willing to work with her. And, and I think there's going to be more of those kind of flexible kind of arrangements, like give me your best time. But I'm also interested in just that premise of don't give me 20, don't give me 30, give me your best 15. Like what, like what, what would happen if we started asking everyone to do that? Like, give me your best, give me your best 30 hours. You know, don't give me just time to give me, you know, make it, make it a quality kind of situation. And which leads me to the next point, which is people being intentional about how they're using their time. 
So uh, one of my bugaboos is um, these like humongous owner architect contractor meetings that go on where they have to have 35 people on a zoom meeting for like five hours like really like that's a lot of money going down the drain where people are just checking out they're doing emails and you know something's not right there in terms of people they're not doing quality work they're not spending their time it's it's an old and antiquated model that hey let's have a meeting and invite a whole bunch of people like really no people's time is more precious let's be more intentional about that when do we actually need uh the the landscape contractor and on that conversation when is it do we need a shorter meeting do we need smaller meetings do we need fewer people in that let's kind of let's not just be um old thinking in terms of how we do it let's not spend all our time in email let's be more um triage oriented and let's not give people the all the documents and all the information i feel like they need let's just give them what they they need let's delegate let's send people to meetings instead so a lot of my first book from the ground up is really about strategies i'm saying once you've set a direction how can you economize so you're not wasting your time how you're not depleting your battery how can you delegate ignore and shrink so delegate is obvious it's like wow i shouldn't be doing that look at everything you're going to do and say what's the stuff i need to get off my plate that someone else should be doing like for me i hire people i don't really have much of a staff i do have but but it's mostly contract stuff second ignore ignore means that i don't need just saying yes to everything i don't need to be accepting every invite and me say yeah i'll be at that meeting yeah i'll do this yeah yeah i'll take it on just ignore that kind of immediacy that someone wants to just dump something on me. Last one is shrink, which is one of my favorite strategies, which just simply means working within a more prescribed bucket of time. Telling yourself, okay, I want to spend hours on this. I don't have hours. I have half an hour. You know what I've learned is that you can put a, a back to my point, give me your best 30 minutes. Guess what? You can get most of what you need to get done in a half an hour, for instance, as opposed to an hour. But we're not inclined that way. We waste a lot of time thinking that we need to be sitting in a chair. We need to occupy time. Give me your best time and work within a shorter block. Um, I had uh, I wrote about this recently, this leadership program where I'm really big on telling people and said, look, don't work on getting it like perfect and right in your mind, right? This ideal kind of thing. Think about getting it done, getting, because especially in design and construction, everything is a moving piece. Numbers are all relative. They're placeholders because everything is changing. Um, but there's this tendency, especially with younger folks, they don't want to make mistakes, is that they'll inordinately spend too much time on stuff. I'm like, you're just wasting your battery. You're just draining your time. You need to figure out how to get it done enough, what right enough for that next stage of the project to keep it moving. So you're not wasting, you're not overbilling, which is another issue. You're not, you're not wasting your time, your energy on things that don't need to be done. So so if I were to think of what you just said, how do we re-energize? It's almost like exactly what you, you manage, what we realize we have a finite amount, manage what we have, be intentional in the number, be objective based, 
and maybe even find some ways that we can re when we've reallocated our time, we can do things that actually re-energize us. That's all. I um, really, yeah, exactly. I do think so. I mean, that's the easiest way of putting it, summarizing it. How do we shift from, I mean, because there's this, a lot of figure out as we go, we have so many hours, do this, and then we'll talk to me and we'll all sit in the meeting we'll, versus this is what we're trying to accomplish. It's objectives-based. We're going to sort of work together to solve this, but we've got the vision of what this needs to be versus, again, kind of the figure it out as we go. And are we done yet? I'm not sure. Keep going. Like I, I, the hourly base versus the value base. I mean, how are you seeing that sort of discussion and mindset mm -hmm. shift and activity base shift play out, mm -hmm. if, if at all? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's slow. Yeah. It's a slow evolution. I just think it's, I think everything is kind of lining up for things to kind of be um, looked at differently. Um, and, and, you know, frankly, because I think that the younger generation is, you know, they're, they were brought up on, on shortcuts. They're not talking about putting in the work. You know, they're talking about how can we get stuff done quicker? <laughs> I, I, um, I started out <clears throat> coaching my daughter in soccer when she was, I don't know, seven or something or eight. I didn't really know much about soccer. And I went to a clinic and the clinic uh, director, so, so all these people are just parent volunteers who are, helping out being coaches. So we're, none of us really understood how to do this. A few of us did anyway. So they had a drill where they put a whole bunch of cones throughout the field um, in, in pairs. So they're spaced out in the field and they're spaced out in pairs, like maybe, um, maybe two feet apart from each other. So there's all these pairs, maybe like 20 of these pairs. And then they gave us each ball. So there's about um, eight teams of two. We each have a ball. We're all kind of stationed around these different cones. And they gave us three minutes to see how many times we can get it between the cones. That was it. Ready, go. Boom. Three minutes. Three minutes up. Blow the whistle that went around. So how many times you do it over here? Uh, we did it uh, 24 times. How about you? 28 times. How about you? 48. Really? Like 48? What'd you do? What'd you do? What was your strategy? Well, we didn't move between all the cones. We just went, stayed in one place and passed it back and forth. Like, oh, and the point was you don't like, here's the rules. Here's, here's like, here's what here's here's kind of the inside rules. The inside rules are that this is the requirement. You need to get it between the cones. But the outside thinking of this was, I don't care how that's done. <laughs> and I do think what the point of the exercise was that you want to, as a coach, encourage what's called schemers. People who can work within the plans and work more what, what are you, creatively, um, efficiently, uh, and I've got, I've got two kids who are really good at that. I mean, God call them kids who are like they're adults now, but they're really good about figuring out how to get stuff done without putting the work in. That's, 
my mode is, hey, you got to put the work in, you know, work is good and that's how you learn stuff and there's value in that. But they're like, no, I'll get an app for it or I'll try to figure out how to learn that through a YouTube or, you know, I mean, do a shortcut kind of thing. So that's kind of an interesting that's a hard one for me to get around personally, but it's, but there's value there. I can see it. Right. It's like, Oh, that, there's, that, there's different, there's technology. You and I have talked about this, right? There's a lot of solutions are going to be taken care of by a lot of time sucks are going to be like, we don't need to do that. We can have an app. We could have software. We can have some kind of platform, take care of that. Anyway, go ahead. What are you going to say? Well, no, you just, you tapped on a major frustration. And it is the balance between getting it done versus getting it done right. And how right. will we know that we know that we know to stamp it and have the legal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the 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 legal standing and the ethical that it is the building will stand up. And we didn't just get it done. We know it works. And and again, people, what, thirty years in the business, forty years in the business, we had more time. We dug in. It seemed like there was more time mm-hmm. to mentor, to learn, to calculate, to see it, to think. Mm-hmm. And maybe that, maybe we could have accelerated that. It took ten years mm-hmm. to learn this. Well, we could have really done it in five if we had more mm-hmm. meaningful conversations. So mm-hmm. that being aside, we don't have the time. The quick fixes. It's almost like well, even if that really is a better way to design more in a more agile sense, and we can learn this. But you didn't put in your time and how and that is you didn't put in your time. So therefore, it's less. Again, there's a little bit of mindset. There's a little bit of let's leverage the technology. We can really figure out that this is right. But maybe if we're just hacking our way through life, we will never really know that we know. And a professional today that went through the first 10 years of their existence, just getting something done now is in front of a client, is in front of a contractor on site. They don't know how to figure it out because all they do is know how to get stuff done. They don't know the why behind mm-hmm. it. And, uh, it's so that I'm expressing what I think when I talk to current leaders to st- with their frustration of they don't see enough next generation talent wanting to pull, put in the work, wanting to step up, wanting to just sort of live life today, work life balance. And I don't want to say that pejoratively. It's mm-hmm. just how will you really be successful if you're not going to work in a little pieces, if you're really going to be an expert, whether that be an engineer, an architect, a basketball player, a hockey player, you are working more than others and being more successful. And there's this human history of putting what it takes to really be successful versus leveraging technology. And there's a frustration. So mm-hmm. anyway, I just, but, but if we can start peeling that back a little bit and how do you, again, we want to engage next generation talent, but we need the leaders with the energy and the sort of figuring out it's going to be different. So this is a big hairball of a question, but no, how no, do you I know. think about that? And in order to, how do we best move forward? Because we are more work than people, not changing anytime soon. There is a whole new generation of folks that want something different. And they're native digitals and we're native analogs. And so it is a little bit of a mess, but how do we start moving forward together? Because we yeah. kind of want the same things right. as it relates to being a professional architect or engineer or, you know, incredible constructor of something. Mm-hmm. Well, let me try this and then see if I answered your question. Cause I, I think I know what you're talking about. Let's, let's, let's pretend that you've given me some work. And I'm going to stamp it, but I can't stamp it because there's some problems with it. Okay. So um, 
So then what I might ask myself rather than just get frustrated, so my initial reaction would be like, oh, man, they're not putting the work into it. This is so frustrating. Why did I delegate it? I might as well do it myself. Uh, we can't get people who care about it. That's what's going on in my mind. But instead, let's say I did this. Let's say I took a breath and um, I thought, okay, well, what, what's going on here? Did I miss something? Was I not clear in terms of the delegation? Is there a hole here? Let me not just jump into this and assume that they were lazy. So that's number one, just don't assume. <laughs> they Maybe they were, but let's not assume, okay? It's not a good place to go. So I might say, um, did you carefully take a look at this, Peter? Did you review it, right? And then if you say, yeah, I did. I said, well, there's some things here I need to point out. I wanna tell you why they're important that we get them right. It's that why part. So now this is not a skill that a lot of engineers possess. It's talking about the why part. It's saying down, I've got, I was thinking about a civil engineer. I know it's a client of mine who's just really good at this. He's really good at spending the time. He's patient. He's really good about explaining things, but I think that's really what's required. It's a pain. It's, it's going to sound like a little bit of a pain in the ass, but I'm answering your question. I'm going to tell you, Peter, why it needs to be done this way. I mean, maybe talk to my own personal experience where I learned the hard way. You need to do it right. Okay. So now I've given you feedback on this specific item. However, I mean, let me, let me talk about it in a different way. I know Peter that you don't want me micromanaging you. And I know, Peter, that you want to have your own team and you want to call your own shots. You've got some ideas of being in an elevated position here. Well, in order to do that, this thing here that we're talking about needs to be done right. Because let me it's about connecting the dots. So I'm going to help connect the dots between this work, tell you why it needs to be done a certain way. And then I also need to connect it to what I know about you. Does that make sense? Now, that's not going to take care of every situation, but it's going to be my, my best attempt. Now, my best attempt, I need to feel like as a manager, let's say I just, I, maybe you just like roll your eyes, right? And I'm like, well, what am I going to do about that? There's not that much you can do about it. I mean, uh, all I can say is, look, you know, <laughs> I want to be, I, I want to be able to trust you. I want to be able to see that you care if you really want to get these things. Now, if you still roll your eyes, you're like, dude, you're not helping yourself. I'm just telling you, I'm just giving it to you straight. You can go somewhere else, play that, that game, see how far that gets you. That's your business. I still believe this is important. I still believe the playbook is the same. Work needs to be done right. People need to figure it out. They need to put the work into it. It doesn't mean that there isn't an opportunity to do things differently. Let me give you kind of a different take on this. So as I was listening to you, I was thinking, um, like when I work on a Word document now, I get, it's an automatic spell check. Well, I mean, I don't have to go through it. I don't have to check it that much. I'm mean, I just like, yeah, it's Microsoft did it. This technology, they check, they check for errors. I'm just playing, I'm playing a little thought here. You know, is there, are there going to be some opportunities for people to come up with some of their thinking and use some kind of technology solution the same way that we use spell check to catch certain things that are some of these errors that are in the kind of the 
the production of things that could get lost because we're all busy. We have a lot of work to do, limited capacity to do it. Are there some technological solutions? So I, I'm answering it kind of in a, different, in, in a bunch of different ways. Remember I said way in the beginning, like we want a silver bullet, but there's probably different ways of getting at this thing. Having a clear conversation with folks and telling them why, and linking it with this is in your best interest for your career and where you want to go and knowing that. And three, being open to different ways of doing it in terms of using te technology. Those are just some thoughts. I think those are fantastic thoughts. You mentioned something um, that engineers aren't good with the why part. I mean, you just explained teaching, coaching, mentoring, diving yeah. in. What, what, why do you think it's hard um, for maybe engineers in particular to have that level of explanation? Um, well, I don't, I don't know if there's one answer to that. I just remember had one of my best clients was, you know, president of a construction company. He, I think probably got his degree in civil engineering university. Uh, he just said, he said, you know, I know people want to be taught how to do stuff. He just said, I'm just not very good at that. Like, that's it. It's like, so that's why they hire me. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's a lot of my work is, I don't know how to get through these people. I know they need to learn how to delegate. Uh, what can you teach them? Um, the best situations are where I've done some training on those people, on the managers and the people that they're working with. So that when I leave, you know, they're, they're kind of, they have a different playbook and he, they, they are learning some simple techniques on how to, um, you know, how to be better coaches. I think it, it's not a one, it's not a, um, you're a bad coach or a good coach. It's all, it's all in steps of degree. I, I, what excites me about my work is finding out what are the simple things that somebody can do to improve their skill set. Um, to get a little better at, at you know, emotional intelligence or interpersonal skills or coaching, you know, can they, can they do like one little thing that tomorrow that will surprise them, uh, surprise themselves in terms of saying, wow, you know, I let that go or that person was more independent or they got it or I'm not talking about being professional professional coaches i'm just talking about uh adapting a little bit that's all right it's like rather than like here's an example work comes across your desk and it's not done right it's like well, what do you do you pull it back how about if you don't pull it back how about if you say yeah you need to work on this more you know just, that's it just I mean, it doesn't have to be a fancy conversation. It's like, I need you to go over this. Now, if you want to get, if you want another layer, I'm busy developing business. And so we can all stay busy. I don't have time for this. That's, that's the second layer, but you don't need to say that. You can just, I like people just kind of spit it out and say, you know, Hey, you know, you need to work on this more. I need you to go over it. Or is this done? Have you reviewed it? Because I, I don't want to have to go over and check your stuff again. Oh, okay. Mm, okay. <laughs> this is a great story about 
Henry Kissinger doing this with an aide who's good. The aide was um, Lord Winston, I think his name was, kind of a strange name, but anyway, he's putting together a speech for Henry Kissinger and he kept bringing it back and Kissinger would say, is this your best work? And he'd pull it back, he'd do some more work and put it in front of Kissinger. He goes, is this your best work? This happened like six or seven times according to the story. <laughs> and eventually after a lot of work, he says, yeah, this is my best work. <laughs> he said, okay, now I'll read it. I mean, I thought it was great because it's like, well, don't, you know, just do your best work. That's a great question, it's your best work. You know, would you stamp this, right? That's another way in this industry, would you stamp this? Is this done, is this ready to go? Don't, you know, don't make me do this extra work. Now, if, I'm not saying you're going to have 100% success on that strategy, but you know what's going to happen? You're going to take that tomorrow and you're going to say, you know what? Someone pulled it back. They did a little more work. It's incremental. It's the incremental stuff. This is kind of a, all this stuff is a longer road. It's not a, again, I keep saying the silver bullet. It's not like, yeah, just do this and it'll be done. It's like, no, you invest it and it'll pay off. But especially with delegation, it's, I'm really big on delegation because delegation is where a lot of things meet. It's really where the work is done. And you can make some really small increment, incremental changes that can have a big impact in terms of empowering people and developing their mastery, their sense of purpose and autonomy and, and lighten your load. Right. No, and I agree with that because it is the you're navigating that spectrum on delegation of micromanagement on one end or abdication of responsibility on the other end. And there's yeah. a lot of nuance and conversation and relationship and trust and processes and systems and that have to happen to navigate that spectrum. One of the, but it almost sounds like, I mean, it's it, as you're sharing that story, I mean, I, I'm going back to the 90s at Metcalf and Eddie and and that was sort of the expectation. Like, is it, could this go out to a client if I can't review it this afternoon? Yeah. That's what you bring to my desk in a way, right? So it's, it, but it's playing to strengths and always trying to improve and building a team. If I, if I need that second layer, I'm going to build a team because I'm really mm -hmm. focused on this and I sort of know me and I know what you need and it's different. So maybe that relieves the stress and actually gets things moving. W one thing that occurred to me, and I've had a lot of conversations about this more recently is there's a little bit of a mindset shift of in terms of people where what you're describing and maybe it's kind of going old school a little bit with really teaching coaching and mentoring and developing mm -hmm. great delegation skills and having it work effectively it's people are the prize mm -hmm. not the tool like mm -hmm. the projects and our ability to you know, perform them profitably. Mm -hmm. Those are the tools to then reinvest in the people. But but the people are the prize. It's not the projects. It's not to profit the prize. And the people are the tools for that. So it's don't get frustrated with the people. They are ultimately your prize here. We just happen to be doing work to help move them forward and engage them. I, that is a it's a fundamental. Just saying those words is a, is yeah. a shift. And we just, yeah. so don't get frustrated. Because they're the ultimate prize for you, especially in the talent-starved um, marketplace today and moving forward. What What are your thoughts on that fundamental shift? Well, that's what you're saying is that is the fundamental shift. That is because um, as, as you were talking about your early experience and, and you still see this older mindset, it's about the work, right? 
What do you mean it's about the work? What's that mean? It's about the documents. It's about whatever we build, right? It's about what's in CAD. Like, really? It's not about the people? No, it's about the work. And and just understanding it's like, well, yeah, but someone's got to do that work. I mean, it's about the people. That that is um that's the big that's the big change that's gonna, I think, gonna happen is to realize that. People are doing this work. They have other things on their mind. They have other goals. I got to work with them. It could be kind of hard. And I, th- I also think that what's going to happen is that there's going to be, because of this, there's going to be more of a appreciation for emotional intelligence. Um, and this is, you know, look, as long as I've been in this industry, this has always been a dance of, of, uh, trying to find people, engineers, architects, construction folks who've got the emotional intelligence skills. Everyone wants that. Everyone wants somebody who's technically strong and who also has emotional intelligence work. And it's, it's really, it's really tricky. Now there's going to be more of an appreciation for that, that emotional intelligence stuff is, is actually really important to keep people because otherwise we're going to lose them. And that's, again, that's back in the game. Um, But, you know, I remember, um, uh, and this is just kind of just the reality. I remember a president of a civil engineer firm just said, look, you just can't have somebody who's a nice guy, right? You can't just have someone everyone likes. You can't walks in and, you know, joker and easy to get along with. It's like, I mean, does he know his stuff? Is he competent? I mean, you know, can, can he do the work, right? Because if he can't do the work, he's not going to have the respect of the team. And he's not going to respect to the client. So you need to have somebody who does know the work and can work with the folks, can work with people. I think that that's really, that's really challenging. Um, Whereas it's um, a both and today, it used to be sort of a, an either or, but really not even the or, because I kind of need you to just do the work. <laughs> like I need right. you to pay respect and, and, but now it's an and. It's, right. it's both of that to right. be successful today organizationally. Right, 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 right. right. How I, <laughs> this has been a fantastic conversation. This is like our other conversations. We could just keep going. But I, in the interest of, I would be respectful of your time. There were two other topics I'd love to get your thoughts on. Um, one regarding sort of diversity, kind of women in leadership, and the other as it relates to sort of advanced technology. Um, kind of your takes on this, but there's no, as it relates to leadership, I mean, there's no doubt that our leadership teams will look different in the future than they do today, just because society, our clients, our employees, our employees are looking different. How do you see, are there gaps in terms of our leadership and management development work that you think could be addressed to help our DE&I efforts? And, and in particular, mm-hmm. I'd love to get your thoughts on how we can support women in leadership just because, you know, or a level, the, the, the playing field level, access to leaders, level mm-hmm. access to business development, financial strategy thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, how do you think of leadership and management development with respect to DE&I and, and women in leadership? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, one of the realities is that back to our kind of our discussion is that there is a real um, pe- people are struggling to find talent. Okay, as I said before, there's fewer people going into the industry 
um, um, and graduating, uh, the pool is um, shallower. It's not as deep for, for talent. But when we talk about that, we're probably talking about in a traditional sense of, of men and white men. Um, and it's very common. Um, it's just human nature that um, we tend to be tribal. We tend to want to hire people who look like us and have the same values and same interests. And, and that, that's, yeah, I think that that's, that is just human nature. And now, however, I think DEI has really um, challenged our thinking in that way. And, and my view on this is it's not, we shouldn't have to think about DI as something that's, oh, we need to be doing this kind of thing. So I think we should be looking at it as an opportunity to, to really bring in some people who maybe haven't had the opportunity before, who, who do want to put the work into, who, who are motivated. I mean, why are we spending so much time on maybe a population where they're, you know, white males, for instance, we're like, oh, they're not, they're not engaged in there for motivated it's like well fine let's find some other people who are let's find i don't know where they what i would just call non-traditional right it could be people of different ethnicity uh race um sex uh um and i i just think that that's gonna that's gonna happen over time what do we do about it i think that we just need to look at it in terms of a business opportunity and say you know hey let's Let's be creative here and 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 look beyond in our recruiting, um, um, be having people, you know, uh, of different backgrounds, um, you know, uh, and orientations and makeup and everything come in. Now, DEI I think has been good because it's it kind of challenges well that mindset. It's like okay, well, great. I'm a black. I'm a young black woman. I'm entering a construction company. It's like yeah, well, good luck. You know, good luck fitting in, right? DEI I think has been good because it's really helped challenge the mindsets of people who are kind of blind to maybe their conscious or unconscious bias towards people who are different than they are, who look different, who sound different, who have a different background. I think it's kind of helped with the sensitivity. I've, I've really seen that over the last, you know, in particular over the last few years, particularly with this interest. So I, I think that there's, it's, again, it's not one thing. I think there's an opportunity here for more people, but I think, you know, investing in DEI efforts to have people become more sensitive about their own biases and create an environment where people want to do their best work because you know what frankly that's what it's about i mean this stuff is not that complicated let's create an environment where people can do their best work i don't care who they are and the challenge becomes when they're outside of your tribe <laughs> right and well it's become, interesting though you yeah, say that because yeah. i mean it's like i've been since i've ventured out on my you know my own doing this management consulting around the country I, you know at one point i'm like well maybe we practice a little differently engineering architecture in the south different than the pacific northwest different than mm -hmm. new england different than the midwest different than the southwest mm -hmm. no we don't I mean, we very similar people, very similar outlooks, you know, as far as ethics and work ethic, generally speaking. And there's almost like a community within sort of our um, professional tribe. And so, I mean, to me, it's like we're so very similar 
just in our profession. And um, but so, well, thank you for for sharing that. The last yeah. piece I really wanted to kind of talk, get your perspective on is is just just in the last you know many several months since ChatGPT and OpenAI platforms are out there, just dramatic increase in discussion about and use of artificial intelligence. Do you think that changes the way we must lead um, our teams or organizations or manage um, some of our projects and you know sort of interface with our teams? I mean, how? What? what it's, obviously, this is emerging in some ways, but but how yeah. do you think we should be thinking in terms of leadership as it relates to artificial intelligence and advanced technology? Well, I do think that the the younger generation is, is you know, they're more digitally oriented. They're more open-minded um, and interested in technology and open to how that can shift things. And I think that a lot of the future, we don't know what it's going to look like, but, you know, rather to think that, okay, it looks a certain way. I think we just need to be open to how technology can kind of, um, streamline, not just streamline, but I get back to kind of the, um, you know, the functionality of a lot of software these days, which is they're trying to replace like the human element. Uh, this is outside of AI. I'm talking about, you know, a spell check or any of the macros or, or you know, uh, any any of those things that we take for granted. We don't say them as, you know, as, as particularly bad. If we can find some way for technology to kind of fill in the gaps, not in terms of our thinking, but in terms of our, um, like, administrative kind of things. So, you know, let, let, let's let's use this. Okay, what if? Because I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to make it up. What if? What if you work for the city of Hillsborough, and you've done projects for the city of Hillsborough, and you've got a certain you you understand their processes of what they need in terms of their standards. I don't know. What if you? What if you had some kind of AI version of understanding? Uh, that, in other words, that 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 anything that you produce could be going through their AI model, where it could be catching things and conforming it and making sure that those things are are correct. I, I think a lot of the the things that having to do with production are going to be continually um, put into and caught through kind of a a digital thing. I don't know if. Really, the future of AI is, hey, I want to do a presentation. Give me some ideas and let me spit it in. That that may happen. And I, I'm not smart enough to know where, where it's going to happen. I just think that um, I think that a new, the younger generation is going to show us the way of, of um, you know, how it can be changed. And you know what, Peter, just in, in, in you know, in closing, I think that Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, 66 and a lot of people I know are, you know, in the fifties and sixties. And, you know, as a, as a lot of this noise about well, the younger generations not doing the work, it's like, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens when the younger generation turns, goes into their their thirties and their forties. Maybe they, maybe they change. Maybe they realize, man, I, I need to adapt my style. I, I've got responsibilities now. I need to do the work. Um, I don't know what things going to look. I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how they do kind of shift things because I don't think it's going to be like they're going to change all the rules. Because I back to your point, 
I mean, stuff still needs to be done right in order so buildings don't fall down and, you know, roads go the right way and traffic is going the right way. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's not a free for all like, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want. It's like, no, it's, there's some just basic engineering principles that people still need to be. But I do think some technology is going to be helping in terms of catching some of that stuff. And, and in this, in the similar way that Google is our memory. Now we don't need to find the answers. We just Google stuff and spell check helps us out. So I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. So. All right. Well, thank, thank you for that. Anything else? Like as we, as we do wrap up, I mean, that anything else you'd like to share or add to help encourage, you know, maybe current leaders, in terms of you know supporting their ability to develop and engage next generation leaders, well, because uh, I just came from a coffee so with a someone who I've coached, I don't know, it was maybe fifteen years ago, and he was a PM, and now he's stepping into being owning owner of the company, and um, and he, he shared a couple of things with me. It's, kind of I thought was kind of interesting one he said that um early on he put time into developing his career so he could be seen so he could be recognized from his efforts putting in the work but now that he's stepping in his position of being on top he's realizing he doesn't need to be that he doesn't need to be that person he doesn't need to be um as central to things he can offload more he, he, you know, as he's stepping into that role of being the CEO, he can let go of those responsibilities and trust others can do it. Um, and I think that's, I think that's an interesting point because I think a lot of doers as they move up the ladder still feel like things need to be done their way. And um, I think it, just understanding it's like, look, is this good enough? It's, and I, I'm not an engineer, but there is there is this element of being able to say, look, it's not the way I would do it, but it works. It fits the criteria. It's what's called the army is called the commander's intent, right? What, this is what needs to be done. Understanding that frees you up from from uh, from doing that. So I think that that's you know, in terms of the evolution, I think that's kind of an important point. So. Excellent. How can least listeners get in touch with you to learn more about you, maybe connect with you, learn more about your work and, and access your books? Yeah. Well, it's all on my website. Um, and it's just L E O M A C M as in Mary, A C L E O D.com. So L E O M A C L E O D.com. And my books are there and I've got videos and I've got, yeah, I've got, I've got some good content there and then people can get a hold of me if they're interested in whatever, talking more about it. So I'm always interested in the conversation. I really, really enjoy the work that you're doing, Peter. And it's, I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, reaching out and um, it's, it's been fun. So, Yeah. Well, you're very welcome. It has been a blast. I so appreciate our continued conversations. I'm glad we were able to capture this on the podcast. And yeah. I think it's an encouragement for all of us, whether we're current 
emerging or aspiring leaders just to understand and have these conversations because I, I am just very thankful that you are here today and I look forward to our, our next conversation. Thanks, Peter. Take care. Well, that's a wrap. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to and rate this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to the show from. There are links on my website and in the show notes to do so. And please also share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. It really helps to continue to get us established, and I truly appreciate that. And it also helps to get the word out to others so that together we can collectively grow and positively impact the lives of others, both inside and beyond our organizations. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of AEC Leadership Today. If you want to stay relevant and effective and take your growth and prosperity to new levels, it's time to take action. To learn more about how Pete can help take you and your firm to the next level, visit www.actionsprove.com. That's www.actionsprove.com. See you next time on the AEC Leadership Today podcast.